0: You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and
1: Matt Robotham.
0: Episode 195 covering To the Death and the Quickening. Hi friends, we're back. Back. We uh well talking about He-Man. As is so often the case, uh, we we have one good episode and one not great episode, and yeah. unfortunately, we just this second finished watching the one that isn't great, and so our spirits are a little crushed.
1: I feel broken. Yeah. I feel broken, I, I feel... and I want to hurt people.
0: The thing is, I think it hurts worse now, like, now that we, we're in the best show in its best era, mm-hmm. because it's like, you know better by now. Why, why are you doing hey,
1: this? You guys know how to make a good episode of Star Trek. I know you do.
0: Like, Season 1 and next general is like, yeah, I figured this was yeah. going to happen. That's that's par for the course. But, but se- uh,
1: late Season 4 of DS9, we're yeah, in the swing now, right. man. Come on.
0: Yeah, and yet...
1: What's wrong with you?
0: Although the, this first episode definitely feels exactly like the kind of thing we're saying, hey, everyone, just wait, it gets great. Uh-huh. This is this is the kind of thing we mean. It's called to the death.
1: Yep, and I will tell you about it now. Do it. So the Defiant gets home from some mission or other only to discover that the Jem'Hadar have attacked the station killing hundreds and breaking off one of the pylons, severely ruining the resale value. Ben takes a crew into the Gamma Quadrant for some of that sweet, sweet revenge, when the Defiant encounters a Jem'Hadar ship. But not the attacking Jem'Hadar ship, this is a different one. It's run by Wayun, another Jeffrey Combs-played character with a voice like melted butter. Mmm, that sweet, sweet sound of Coombs. <laughs> Weyoon and his Jem'Hadar are on a mission from God, or uh, specifically from the Founders, to find the rebellious Jem'Hadar that attacked DS9. See, it turns out these guys have found a gateway from an old episode of TNG, and the Founders want that shit blown up post-haste. I guess it's time for a crew of Starfleet officers to team up with their most hated enemy for the greater good, and maybe learn that we're not so different, you and I, in another reality I could have called you Fred. Except that the Jem'Hadar are mostly just angry drug-addicted assholes who pick fights, threaten the crew, and make things really, really awkward for everyone. Also, the little birds that they have that clean up after them are really loud and messy. After a lot of drills, shouting, and broken necks, the Defiant arrives at the Rebel planet. Beaming down, they discover that another weapon's work and start wailing on the enemy with... Swords? Spears? Axes? The Gemini weapon is all of these and so much more. And it is really obvious that a lot of Starfleet guys have no idea how to use them. So, eventually, some more worse Jem'Hadars are killed than bad Jem'Hadars, and then the gateway is destroyed, which is good news for the founders, so... Hooray? Alas, Weyoun is killed when a betrayal falls on him.
0: <laughs> oh no, look out, a betrayal! <laughs> Curse your sudden but inevitable safe. Clunk.
1: <laughs> Splut.
0: This was great, and actually it does feel a bit like we've seen this kind of story before, but I was trying to think of when have we had an actual, like, a whole Starfleet crew working with a whole crew of another. Yeah. Like, sometimes we'll get episodes like the uh, the Enemy Mine episode of Next Gen where, where Geordi's stuck on the planet with the Romulan.
1: Yeah, or uh, Day of the Dove in the original series.
0: Right, but that was more we have to come together at the end after being at each other's throats the whole yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. This is the whole time they're working together. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's cool. I like it. I like this kind of story.
1: It's actually the thing it most reminded me of was a uh, Diane Duane uh, uh, Romulan book where the original crew teamed up with a bunch of Romulans for some reason or other.
0: Well, I mean, there's there. You it's easy to contrive that. That's you know, mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. not far fetched at all, actually. Nope. But and uh, it's no. It's, good. This was great, and I love how it tied into, like, I, that, I don't remember which next-gen episode it was because there were two early, like, the one in season one and one in season two, I want to say, episodes where there were the, the magic portals from this ancient dead civilization. Yeah. It was one of them. But um I, it was a good callback. It was It was a nice way to say, hey, these guys were scattered across the galaxy. They also had some of these things in the Gamma Quadrant. Mm-hmm. And it's dangerous as hell because now they could just materialize right, like, over Earth and kill you and then leave. And that's not good.
1: No. They will come and ruin your day.
0: Right. So th- there's, you know, there's a mutual, like, they, th- there's a mutual enemy here. There's a reason that they should all be, like, worried. Yeah.
1: No one needs, know. you know, a bunch of Jem'Hadars who can just appear in your basement and ruin everything and then just vanish.
0: Yeah. That's that's not good for anybody.
1: It's bad enough that, you know, there's this big hole they can come out of.
0: Yeah. And, no, and, break, and, the, but,
1: and break the tip off of your kick-ass station. Aw, oh, man. Son of a bitch.
0: We were talking, it's like somebody's dad woke up in the middle of the night and stepped on it. <laughs> I think you said that. Son
1: of a bitch, that damn kid.
0: Stop leaving your Terok noir on the floor.
1: Gerald, you'll wake him.
0: I don't care. My foot He's hurts. useless anyway. My
1: foot hurts and I gotta work in the morning. <laughs> shut up, up shut hours. up!
0: <laughs> Sorry, Grandma. <laughs> yeah, their grandma lives with them, too.
1: Yep. Why not? There's a lot going on here.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, like, really, really good episode. Like, mm-hmm, absolutely, things get moving from, like, minute one, like, uh, uh, you know, Captain's Log, somebody fucked with our station, and it's just go, go, go.
1: Let's go kill them.
0: Yeah, that, that is, that is so Cisco. He's not going for answers, he's not going for anything but clearly just vengeance. Yep. Hey, you messed up my station, you threatened my guys, yeah, I'm gonna hurt face. you. Yeah, exactly.
1: Although, I maybe would have left Chief O'Brien behind to work on repairs. Um, yeah. Probably not the best idea to give the guy who knows how to repair the station better than anyone uh, so he can go off and be killed by Jem Hadars.
0: No, no, no. Matt, it's fine. Rom. There's oh, good. Rom. Yes,
1: of course. Rom is there.
0: Friend of all children, <laughs> Rom.
1: <laughs> Gotta stick the stabilizer back on there. Mother.
0: <laughs> Duh. There is actually a genuinely sweet scene at the very beginning where Quark's running around freaked out that Rom's dead. Has
1: anyone seen my brother Rom?
0: And it's it's one of those situations, like, in, a, in an actual crisis where people are running around looking for their loved ones yep. or whatever, and and you called it, they could have, like, punctuated that with a terrible punchline of, you know, he owed me ten bucks, yeah. but, but they didn't do that.
1: No, they, like, it's important when, you know, genuinely awful things are happening, you know, you don't make your, you, you don't... No, you de- you strip to-
0: away the posturing and yeah. get down to what's really important.
1: Yeah, which is, he doesn't want his brother to be dead.
0: Right. And you no, know, I, think they,
1: yeah. I think they pulled it off really well.
0: They did, and it's really, Quark only has one scene in each of these episodes at the very beginning of each episode, and they both are great for different reasons. Yes, they are. Um, but we get, we get a lot of, like, details, like, it's weird to me because we are at the end of season four, mm-hmm. and... In in my memory, there was a lot more Jem'Hadar to this point.
1: No, they've actually been very, uh, they've been kept very off to the side. You know.
0: Yeah, it's mostly this looming threat. It's yeah. mostly this—they're coming, like dread, but we don't actually see them no. that much.
1: It's like they show up out of nowhere, fuck stuff up, and then they're just gone. You
0: know. It's sort of like what we had hoped they would do with the Borg, yeah. which is use them sparingly. They're they're mostly scary and about to be here, but not actually here mostly. Yeah, of the time. exactly.
1: Now that being um, said, um, my good thing. Yes. Uh we get a huge uh Jem'Hadar info dump in this episode and it's executed really well.
0: I wouldn't even call it an info dump. I mean, I guess technically it is, but yeah. it's really just fleshing out their their culture a bit more and, and showing how everything works.
1: Well, I mean, that's the thing. We spend most of this episode despite, you know, most of this episode is lead up to the big attack on the on the rebel planet. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly just spending time with the Jem'Hadar seeing how they work sort of day to day. We get to see um they don't eat, they don't sleep, and they don't have sex. Right. Um, so basically, all they do is train and wait to be and wait to get uh, uh, their uh, ketosol white injection. Yeah, and, and they start they, over again.
0: They have this great philosophy that they are already dead, and they have to go win on the battlefield to win their lives back, yeah. which is cool. That feels like it's from an Earth culture, but I I don't know which no. one. It
1: wasn't on Memory Alpha, so we didn't bother to investigate. No, I could have looked
0: further, but. Eh. Yeah. I'm old and tired and eh Yes. <laughs> Besides, we're we're to the point now where someone will write it and tell us. Yes, I'm
1: sure someone out there knows and will let us know.
0: Yeah, it it feels it's probably not, but it feels sorta of Scandinavian y. Yeah, I could see like, that. Like it feels like it would belong with like the Vikings or something like yeah. that, but but it might be from something else, yeah. I don't know.
1: So if you know postatomichorror horror at gmail dot com.
0: Yeah, also our supplemental's coming up, so uh write in for you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, we learn a lot about how how day-to-day stuff works for them. There's a great scene between Dax and one of the Jem'Hadar that she's supposed to be working with where he where where they say all this stuff. We don't eat, we don't sleep, we don't have sex. And, and she's just like, man, that must suck. All those things are great. Yeah. I love eating and sleeping and having sex. Yeah. All of
1: those all things. All those things. Th- that's a good day. Yeah. Things are going all right if you get to do all three of those things. Yep. Doing all right for yourself, buddy
0: but it, it it does make me wonder and we talked about this briefly while we were watching the episode if these guys don't care if they die mm-hmm. like their lives are forfeit basically They're, they 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 he even says in that scene we're lucky to see 5 years old yeah like they don't live that we we saw before that one when the when the gem our child was was found on the station like they they have accelerated growing. They're, yeah, they grow up
1: in about three days, I think it said.
0: Yeah, they're fully grown within a week or something like yeah. that and and ready to fight. And so, yeah, three years is like a big deal to mm-hmm. them. And so there, there's a scene where one of them is disobedient and their uh, their, their superior kills them. Mm-hmm. Just, he picks a fight with Worf and he says, nope, you were told not to do that. I'm breaking your neck yep. now. Yeah. And he's like, yep, I got it coming. Very well. All right. And it's like, Okay, so these guys clearly don't really value their lives. No. And I think, and I'm not saying that in the smug future man Starfleet projecting our morality on them. What I'm saying is, do you really want your troops not to care if they live or die?
1: That's the thing. We get, this is kind of my bad thing. and I mean, you've got some good points about it, but I mean, for a group of, like, hardcore military guys that are supposed to be maintaining order in the galaxy, they are not Mm -hmm. um, super good at keeping in line.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot of order yeah. within the Jem'Hadar.
1: Like we see them give we see them giving Weyun shit, our guys shit, Odo shit, and Odo's oh. their god for crying out loud.
0: Well, they're mostly they mostly stay away, but one of them does say, "There's the traitor." Or yeah,
1: exactly. Like it's like seriously.
0: But, I don't know. It's like if if the propaganda is the gods, one of the gods has been cast out by the other gods, or one of the gods, you know, the gods are angry at the other god, no, or whatever, like... Gods must I, be crazy. Yes. They found this Coke bottle, and, uh, <laughs> And there was a pubic hair on it. The gods must be Clarence Thomas. You're <laughs> not gonna get that. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, um... No, I mean, I could see the propaganda basically being Odo was one of ours, but now he's not. Yeah, He harmed another changeling, which has never been done before.
1: But it just... It- like, it feels to me like, um, you know, if you're going to breed this race to be, uh, you know. Yeah,
0: super obedient and, and to toe the line of your of your empire. Yeah,
1: they really ought to, you know, be obedient. Yeah. Got to obey that chain of command. Yeah, absolutely. You know?
0: There shouldn't be, I picked a fight in the mess hall and now my superior has to break my neck. That shouldn't yeah. happen.
1: It is nice to see sort of cracks in the, uh, like, the, the, per- the way the perfect dominion runs things, though.
0: Well, and we'll talk about Wayun specifically because like, we do need to definitely, like, spend a bit of time talking about him because yeah, exactly. he's awesome. But he, he even says, yeah, the uh, the obedience of the Jemadar has maybe been a bit exaggerated. Yeah. Like, they're, we've seen a rebellious pack of them before in that episode where uh, Julian tries to get them to not be addicted to the Ketra cell. Right. And it's nice to see, like, that. that wasn't just one aberration that this is happening more.
1: Yeah the idea that like all over the galaxy or all over the gamma quadrant these guys, these ships full of uh really angry rhinoceros guys or who are addicted ticking time bomb yeah. guys yeah it's a little worrying
0: yeah it definitely is but it it also i mean i think the the sort of subtle implication is when you're a fascist when you grip your fist so tight around something it's you know it, it's not always going to like it's it, It's not going to work. You're not going to maintain perfect control over it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was just, I was trying to think of, what was that quote from history? Oh, it's a quote from Star Wars. Never (laughs) mind. The more you tighten your grip, Tarkin, the more star systems slip through your fingers. Like, I was thinking there was some quote about Mussolini or something like that. No, it was Grand Moff Tarkin. What was that
1: line from Sun Tzu's Art of War? Nope. Or Grand Moff Tarkin's Art of War?
0: (laughs) What was it that the great Princess Leia said?
1: (laughs) Grand Moff Tarkin's Art of the Deal. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Grand Moff Tarkin's the rules.
1: <laughs> Grand Moff Tarkin's the game.
0: <laughs> Is that where he buys a package for his brother that's supposed to be like this this immersive, elaborate game, but you don't know if it's real or not?
1: No, that's the one where Grand Moff Tarkin puts on something really dynamic so when he walks into a bar, all the women notice him.
0: Oh, so it's not the one where Grand Moff Tarkin hooks up with Ashley Judd and stops his ship, stops the Death Star... From being taken over by an evil video game.
1: <laughs> so it's also not the one where Grandma Tarkin and a bunch of wit- is with a bunch of witches.
0: <laughs> the Grandma Tarkin sketcher.
1: <laughs> and that's why it didn't end up on SV.
0: Right. It was not <laughs> it wasn't really very go good. Nope. Um. <laughs> Where the hell were
1: we? I don't know. I really like saying Grand Moff Tarkin, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is Actually, there was a great bit on Super Ego where they're listing off a, a, a list of diseases and someone says they suffer from Grand Moff Tarkinson's disease.
1: <laughs> so this episode is really yeah, good.
0: But no, no, the the oh, the overall idea is that the the founders can't maintain the perfect order. Like we, we see through Odo and we've seen a bit through the founders. Yeah. Like order, that's their thing. And you can't. You can't keep perfect order with, with, you know, with biological, like, organisms. But even with ones that you engineer, eventually there's just some chaos yeah. is going to come into it.
1: It's, what interests me, though, too, is that, like, the founders aren't really that interested in, you know, the Gamma culture. No, what,
0: what they want to do is stay hidden and don't, they don't want people to bother them. Yeah, Exactly. And all this shit that happens out there, all the maintaining order and, like, the Vorta doing all the administrative stuff, like, they don't get their hands dirty at all. They stay out of all of
1: it. So I actually, I kind of like the idea of this society they've put together, like, kind of falling down just because they aren't interested in sort of maintaining the day-to-day stuff.
0: Well, yeah, this whole elaborate political, like, infrastructure has evolved where these people trust these people, these people resent these people. Yeah. And they don't know about it because they don't care. They yeah. just set up the pieces and went away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's nice. So, really, let's talk about Wayun though.
1: Okay.
0: Jeffrey Combs, first of all, fantastic actor. We've talked about him as Liquidator Brunt before. Mm-hmm. I think he showed up as another minor character at one point. Yeah. Um, but he will be a big deal across this series and a few others. And uh, he was the voice of the question on JLU. Like, yeah. He's, 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 a, he's a pretty well-known guy, and he's fantastic. Oh, God, he's so We've seen the Vorda before. These are the, like, the the way the, the Dominion's set up is you got the Founders, who are, like, the gods, and then you got the Vorda, who run all the, like, all the administrative crap, all the, like, like, they've talked about the trade. Yeah. When, when Quark was first trying to open trade with them, it was the Vorta he had to deal with. Mm. And they are the bosses, the direct bosses of the Jem'Hadar, and they kind of resent them. Yep. There's a lot of great rolling his eyes, I'm bored with this. Oh, like, my God.
1: There's, the, there's some great moments where was just like,
0: because well, we saw in that episode where Julian's trying to cure them of the Ketracel, like it's a it's a ritual. Yes, they they do a loyalty oath, like you know we pledge our lives to the founders, blah blah blah. And Wayun's heard this every day for however long he served with them, yep. and he's just ugh. Yes, here, take your medicine, go away.
1: Yep, this is fine. You're good. Whatever.
0: Yeah. And then no. when
1: uh, when they're doing the we we're about to go off and yeah. die thing, you can just see him in the background going. <sighs>
0: there's a bit of kiff in there yeah there's a bit of uh...
1: the boy sir
0: but on the other hand he's the vorda have been fine before there's nothing wrong with them but he really embodies this special thing and i was trying to really define it as one job and i can't they're part like administrators part diplomats there's there's definitely sort of a sales aspect
1: to them. That's sort of what I was reading on Memory Alpha. That's sort of what Jeffrey Coombs based his sort of performance on. He wanted to be like the sort of kiss-ass salesman who will do anything to get you to sign the, the paper.
0: Right. And at one point he even says, oh, Benjamin Zisco, we've studied your psych profile. You're a big deal. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to be in control of the Alpha Quadrant? And it's clear you've read his psych profile. You know that wouldn't yeah. work. But he's got to try, and even says, I got to try.
1: Yeah.
0: As part of the job. And I love that. I love, like, I love the idea of him offering someone control of the Alpha Quadrant, someone saying yes, and him saying, ooh, I didn't expect you to say yes, let me go talk to my supervisor. I'll be right
1: back. Let's see if we can get you that undercoating for free.
0: <laughs> you're, you're just doing that scene from Futurama now, aren't you? No, from Fargo. Oh, okay. That's better.
1: Don't need any damn undercoating.
0: <laughs> the... um but but overall just the idea of him of of all these vorta but he really embodies them so well mm-hmm. of them being the propaganda machine like the the face of the dominion these are the people that you deal with every day and so they have to be a little slimy and they have to be a little manipulative like that makes sense yeah the, those are the people you want out there really they're your politicians mm-hmm. and, and it's it's fantastic
1: and they're also they're your politicians who've also sort of raised like you know, again, when the bosses not around, they've sort of raised up to, uh, you know, a little bit of extra power.
0: Yeah, in in the everyday Gamma Quadrant citizens' eyes, these are the leaders of the Dominion. Yeah. They even said that in the first, like in the first appearance. Well, the Vorta are you know are the Dominion. Yeah. They're the one you need to talk to. Yeah, and we didn't even know there were Founders until later. Yeah, which makes sense to your to your everyday citizen. They probably wouldn't even see the Founders. They they, they might be a myth or something. And that's it. I've
1: heard of Founders. No. No,
0: no such thing as Batman either. Uh, but but overall, like I I love him. And my bad thing mm. is he is a fantastic character that we spend you know an hour getting to know, and then they kill him. Yeah. Mm, no more Wayun. That's terrible. That's
1: a damn shame.
0: Yeah, really like that guy. But you know he was great. Uh, my my uh, good thing yes is Dax. We've talked a lot about how Dax did not live up to our memory, our expectations, early on, and this is definitely the Dax we remember. She's she's playful, she's a gossip, she's she's funny, delightfully she's, you know. sarcastic. Yeah, and I was talking to Matt. Like one of the things from from a sort of a feminist standpoint is she's a female character who likes sex, who openly professes her love of sex, and is not portrayed as that's a bad thing. Yeah. It's not like, there's no slut shaming. It's just like, nope, she gets around. She likes her some sex. Yep. That's fine. That's good. That's important to show that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like in we, the, in the development know, it, of female characters in, in fiction.
1: It's the future, man. We got like a more, that shit's fine.
0: The thing is, it should be fine now. But But if Star Trek's going to try to push the envelope or at least try to make, you know, like we've talked before about how the show's not nearly as progressive as people like to think yeah. it is. But this is one of those things where I feel like they did do right mm-hmm. that they made Dax sort of they didn't make her less a woman at all but she's still kind of one of the guys at the same time mm-hmm. and it's nice like it really works for me
1: just nice to see her and just enjoy seeing her again you know yeah
0: but she's she's fun Dax she's she's interesting Dax <sighs> she, like I say that scene between her and the Jim hadar that probably would have been my quote yep it's it's just a great back and forth of like but but all these things are what's best in life. Yeah. Why would you why, why would you not want to do that?
1: Yeah, and she's not relying on Worf to make her better, which is a thing I was really worried about for a while there.
0: Yeah, me too. No, this is this is all her. Yeah. Um what else?
1: So my actual bad thing.
0: Oh, you have a real bad thing.
1: Yes. So there's a scene where Worf orders an extra large prune juice and is handed <laughs> a very small glass of prune juice. I hope someone got fired for that.
0: <laughs> hope somebody got fired for that blunder.
1: It's <laughs> uh, that background crap, man. I know what you're doing yeah. back there, Wharf. That's not an extra large prune juice. I'm watching you.
0: That's, I mean, but have you had prune juice?
1: No, thankfully.
0: I haven't either, but I imagine it must be one of those things that you have to drink very small amounts of. Yeah. Like, if you ordered an extra large anything else, it would probably be properly large.
1: I think it's nice to believe that Worf is the only regular Klingon that's ever been. What do you mean? Like he uses the bathroom regularly. Oh, I see. Yes,
0: regularly. <laughs> yes, that that is probably true. Now we know about Worf's pooping.
1: Yep. You're welcome.
0: Let 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 it not be said that we do not leave, that we leave stones unturned here <laughs> on the post-atomic core. <laughs> Worf's bowels. Not
1: a good, honest show.
0: No, I didn't say that. Now. <laughs> Definitely didn't say that. Completely, uh, com- complete side topic here. I at, at my uh, at my day job, I deal with uh, resumes a lot. Yes, like I just I see a lot of resumes. That's that's what I do. So I see a lot of names, and so sometimes I see funny names. And this is an actual name of an actual human, Kirk Punches.
1: Yeah, it's pretty fantastic.
0: Isn't that great? Yep.
1: <laughs>
0: I told the Irish Gav that, and he said, "Yeah, his his kid is." Uh, <laughs> His, uh, uh, good solid club.
1: <laughs> I like to believe his middle, his middle name is jump off the wall and.
0: <laughs> Very nice. Uh, uh, so what else? This this episode was a great was, episode. It really was. It was just, it was, it was one of those, like, we like the, the Starfleet guys really being Starfleet guys, like, like doing the military thing and yep. and like that kind of thing. And, and the Jemadar are great, and just all of it is, is fantastic.
1: Worf's in another fucking bar fight.
0: Yeah, Worf is very easily goaded into, like, a fight with anyone at any time. It's like
1: you kept saying, man. It's like, did you learn nothing from the from the lawyer episode?
0: Yeah. You almost got, like, sent back to the Klingon Empire in chains. Yeah. Because someone did this. And you're doing it again! This you sh- just got a guy
1: killed! Yeah, this shit never f- would have never flown on the Enterprise, and you fucking know it. Yeah.
0: I I did make a note when they're trash talking about Jem Hadar could could kill Klingons. Oh yeah, Klingons are blah blah. blah. It, it felt like that bit from Doctor Who. The only thing Klingons are better at is dying and sucking. Yes, they didn't actually say sucking.
1: Yeah, they did in my head. At this point, I've remembered it enough that way that I don't have to think of it uh, any this other is, way.
0: This is Alexander has dishonored his family by stealing a small plastic lizard all over again. That's damn shame. So at the end, they do they they do kill Wayun, mm-hmm. and. Uh they, like, they make a big deal out of showing that he has to do a couple of different security things. He has to do a voice print and I think like an uh, an eye print or a hand print or something yeah. to open up the, the thing that creates the vials of, of Ketracel. They kill him and they take the machine yeah. that makes the Ketracel.
1: How do they get it out? I was going to say you're going to flash forward like 15 minutes and they'll be banging on the side of it with a big rock.
0: Yeah, and it, it doesn't, or with a good solid club.
1: Yeah, of course. Dad, help! Whack, whack,
0: whack. Hang on, this looks like a job for me. Kirk punches. (laughs)
1: All
0: right, anything else?
1: Um, let's roll into my quote.
0: Yeah, this answer's a thing that I've wondered about for a long time. this is a good one. Commander?
1: For Keiko? It's my 11th goodbye message since we've been married. I'm averaging almost two a year. Does she know you do this? What would I say to her?
0: You know, honey, every time I'm about to go into battle, I record a message for you and Molly telling you how much I love you just in case.
1: She'd probably think it was sweet.
0: (laughs) It'd probably scare the hell out of her. To be honest, it scares the hell out of me. Every time I record one of these, I think
1: this is it. This is the one they're going to end up hearing.
0: It'll never happen.
1: What makes you say that? Because when you've lived eight lifetimes, you develop certain instincts. And my instincts tell me that you, Miles Edward O'Brien, are going to live to be 140 and die in bed, surrounded by family and friends. Do you really believe that? Do you? I'd like to. That's all that matters. Well, just to be on the safe side. Maybe you'd better enter this in the ship's log anyway. I'll put it right alongside my message to my mother. I really like that yeah. a lot. The the idea that, yes, you know, it's pretty standard, like, it's not something they talk about, but it's pretty standard practice for everyone in Starfleet to record messages for their family pretty often, because you never know when you're going to be the red shirt.
0: Right. Some days you eat the Targ, and some days the Targ eats you.
1: Mostly, though, you eat the tar, The Heart of tar. Yes.
0: Right. Heart of targ.
1: Heart of Tark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving forward.
0: <laughs> I don't want to move forward. Rather just stand here making non-sequiturs because, <sighs> oh, I don't like this episode.
1: Well, why don't you tell us about the quickening as quickly as possible.
0: Parsible. Parsible!
1: Parsible! Guess who's back by the way.
0: Oh yeah, Homestar Runner's back. So uh, if if you thought maybe those references were tailing off, well, too bad they're, they're wrong. Not. Yep. Um, Matt did not want to do this episode because he 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 didn't want to do he, he, um, the obvious uh, uh, Highlander references. Yes, as I recall,
1: my exact words were, "I don't want the quickening. The temptation to make Highlander jokes would be too great." And I haven't seen that movie, so they would not be earned.
0: I said, Matt, you you, it's okay. I will. You can have a single. Islander reference. There can be only one. (laughs) Alright, so the quickening. Kira, Dax, and Julian are off on a mission to the Gamma Quadrant, and wouldn't you know it, they run into a planet for whom the Dominion has caused serious problems. What are the odds? Oh, they're one-to-one? Carry on. The planet in question has some kind of disease that causes them to get ugly, veiny things on their skin. I'm glad they told us this, because who knows, that might just be their kooky alien design. Also, they start blinking red just before they die, because apparently this is a planet of end-bosses from old Nintendo games. Anyway, the Dominion apparently punished them for not dominioning hard enough, so now they all have to die of this disease. As a result, their culture has developed a strange obsession with death, and their hospital is just a guy who puts people out of their misery. Being a compassionate doctor, as well as an arrogant, enlightened future man who brings hope to the lesser peoples of the galaxy, Julian offers to help find a cure. They tell him to fuck off. But since Julian is so gosh darn heroic, and also because apparently Starfleet doesn't have any rules about interfering with the development of other cultures, he decides to stay and cure them. Now I'll save you about 30 minutes of boredom. It doesn't work, but then it does. Except he's only able to cure unborn babies, which means that the current generation of people on this planet are still going to die. But there's hope for them too, because Julian's fast at work on a cure for them even after he returns home to DS9. Well, until it's time to go hang out with Miles on the holodeck, or go have lunch with Garrick. Or go hang out with Dax. Yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath, terrible Gamma Quadrant people.
1: <laughs> so, uh, when do you think Dr. Bashir's gonna come back and cure us? Can't right now. Miles and I are off to fight the British.
0: Plus, I mean, without spoiling anything specific, there there's some pretty big stuff happening that might make him a little too busy.
1: Yeah, just a touch.
0: There's there's a lot of big events about to happen on this show that that might preclude him running back to enemy territory. Mm-hmm. To cure some people that, you know, don't oh, want to be cured anyway.
1: I'm back, vainy people! I've come to help you again! Now oh, they all died. Oh.
0: <laughs> it's a planet of babies now.
1: What thing to happen? How
0: does this work?
1: Oh god, is it going to turn into Mary?
0: Or then the children will lead? Uh, the children shall lead? I don't remember.
1: Children shall worship a giant green clown monster?
0: <laughs> oh, hello, Captain ah! Kirk! Horrible. You do that voice better. Though. Yes!
1: That's better.
0: No, that that was more, uh, oh, I had a stroke. Oh
1: my goodness, Captain Kirk.
0: There, that's it. That's the one. It's the Edwin. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, let's talk about anything but this episode, because it was so boring. Oh my god. I'm just gonna roll right into my bad thing. Please do. I seriously feel like I've seen this story about 300 times on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. These people don't want help, but the, the, the heroic meddler comes in anyway, and there's nothing new or interesting. There's no insights into Julian's character. Yep. There's no serious insights into society, like it's not trying to say something about about life. Mm-hmm. It's just another story of ignorant people and, like I say, a heroic meddler, like and a clear, clear violation of the prime directive. they don't have warp, they have fucking candles, they don't have they don't have electricity, yeah, and like they're they're coming in, he's bringing advanced medicine and trying to to change their culture, which admittedly is miserable and horrible, but it's uh, theirs, that, damn it. That's your cultural bias that you're imposing on them. Like, their culture is based around death. Well, that's terrible to us, but maybe that's what they want. Leave them alone. Yeah.
1: Just, you'd yeah. rather be dead, thanks. Well, I just, I,
0: it's one of those, the things that are at, that are at stake don't matter to me at all. Yeah. And I don't care if these people live or die, and it turns out they die anyway. Yeah. And, like I said, we're not learning something about Julian. It's not like Julian learned something about himself. No. This actually kind of ties into your bad It
1: actually really does. This feels very much like a first-year Julian story. Like, Guy spends most of this episode being really smug, and then he learns a powerful lesson about not saving everyone. Which would be fine if this is still, like, excited Frontier Doctor Julian from the first season. But, you know, this guy's been around a couple of years now. He's frankly grown beyond acting like this anymore.
0: Yeah, we haven't seen this Julian for quite some time, and he was even like this before they got to the planet, where yeah. he's all, like, wide-eyed when they get to the Gamma Quadrant, like, like, wow, the stars are just a little bit brighter over here. Like, ugh. Yeah, that's
1: probably because of the Dominion setting planets on fire. <laughs>
0: or it could be because of, like, that ep- that terrible episode of Next Gen where we revealed that starships are, like, polluting the, the Alpha Quadrant.
1: Oh, episode. yeah, that might be it. Remember that episode? Mm.
0: Remember that boring go nowhere episode? Why, yes, I do. (laughs) Strangely, it was called to mind by this one.
1: Mm, Odd that. Yes, I just like I
0: didn't care, and the more Julian dug his heels in, the less I was interested.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, it doesn't help that it's a planet full of people who are just like, you're not, you're not going to help us. Yeah, like I never, I never, I never want to help those people. Right.
0: I mean, I get. Hippocratic Oath, these people are in trouble, he wants to help, whatever. Yeah. But first of all, again, prime directive. Second of all, Gamma Quadrant, mm-hmm. these people were deliberately made this way by the Jem'Hadar yeah. who have a vested interest in keeping them that way.
1: Yeah, that's the other thing. I feel like if Julian ever goes back there, it's just like, well, we were, we were doing okay for a day or two. Then the hadar came back to check on us like they do every week. Yeah, and they just reinfected us with the plague, so... Yeah, uh,
0: and and we've proven that the Dominion has pretty advanced genetic, like, uh, technology because we created the Jem'Hadar and the Vorta. Yep. Like, we can make a virus mutate. It's not that hard.
1: Who can make a virus? (laughs) The
0: Founder Man can.
1: (laughs) Cover you in sores.
0: (laughs) But yeah, and most of it was just Julian. Yep. He he was there with Kira and Dax, and he beams down with just Dax, and then Dax leaves. Mm. And so it's mostly him, and he's like I've said before, he's got a comfort zone. He can be okay, but he kind of needs to work off somebody. Yeah, he's great with Chief O'Brien. He's not bad with Dax. Mm. He's not bad with Kira or Cisco or or Garrick or Odo. But like this is not like by himself, just not enough.
1: No, pairing him with uh, what's her face. Pregnant lady wasn't too terrible, but you know. Well, she
0: was she seemed like a decent enough actor and like she would have been better in a good story. Yep. But her entire job was like the writers didn't bother trying to make her sympathetic. They just said, "Look, she's sick and pregnant." So automatically sympathetic. Yeah,
1: that pretty much uh, that pretty much does the trick. All she needs is some big puppy dog eyes. Right. And then and she kind of had that. Yep. <laughs> oh, do you really think I might someday see my baby? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably.
0: I I mean, I don't know.
1: Uh, I sure. pu- Look, I'm a pretty good doctor, all right? Having just graduated from medical school.
0: Even though I've worked on DS9 for four years. Medical school. Medical school. Now you're turning into... uh, Bond! um, (laughs) I want to know how good of a doctor I am.
1: How how doctor am I? (laughs) Miles? There's just,
0: and there's, there's like, everything's so deadly serious. There's yeah. like no levity at all. It's like in the previous episode, we had the Jem'Hadar who are super like, go kill, kill, kill. And we're, we, we are about to die. But then you had like Dax lightening things up. You had O'Brien mocking them a little bit yep. here. We got nothing. We got everyone coughing and dying around Julian and Julian going, oh, what will I do? And that's it.
1: <laughs> we do have one Bright okay, the
0: one, the one piece of beautiful, perfect, self-contained levity that could have happened in any episode yep. is just a total standalone thing. Yep, which is actually my quote. Well, why
1: don't you play it right now, and then we'll go. Well, into Quark,
0: it. Quark has has infected the the uh, computers on Theus Nine and apparently on the Defiant as well with a virus that makes this happen.
1: Come to Quark's is fun. Come right now. Don't walk. Run oh i love the part where my name rotates around
0: which is just delightful
1: we've been waiting for this since the first episode of ds died
0: let me okay back in the day like back in uh mid 90s 95 96 um i i hung out on aol a lot actually dave our voice guy that's where i met him mm-hmm. uh it's also where i met my my first wife a lot a lot of people that i know I met like on in AOL chat rooms back in the day, and uh, we we hung out in Star Trek rooms, and we had like a private room that that our cool group hung out in called the Quarks. And when we decided to leave, like adjourn the public rooms to go to our private room, we play the little wave. Come to Quarks, Quarks is fun. And so when I think of that, it's like, oh, it's time to go hang out with my friends now.
1: <laughs> so, nope, it's yeah. time to make a podcast with your other friend.
0: Yeah, that's fine too. Quarks is fun. It
1: is fun, right? And that ties but into that... my good thing.
0: Yes, Quarks which, is fun. Yes. Okay.
1: Um, we also get to see the custom quark mug. Which I oh, right. desperately want to own, even though it looks like a generic mug with quark stickers pasted on it.
0: Do you want it to play the song? I
1: absolutely want it to play the song every okay. time you tip it.
0: Yeah, it's it's got a little like chip in it or whatever that uh that, that plays the song when you tip it over. It's like a it's like a tippy cow. Yep. It's exactly like a typical... I love how angry Worf is. Yep, it's just like... He's so... My, I will kill him my because my... is ruined! My prune juice came in a cup with his picture on it.
1: Rawr! played a little song. I hate it. Oh.
0: That's, that's a bit much, Worf, don't you think?
1: Worf's in a bad mood.
0: Yep, yeah, I guess. Like, well, he ordered extra large prune juice and he didn't get it. No.
1: Actually, this time he ordered an extra small prune juice and he did get it.
0: He got a quark cup.
1: Yep the big cup
0: maybe it's um this is not the best cup <laughs> well maybe no it's, maybe it's because he wanted the collector's cup like he wanted the um like the ROM collector's cup to complete <laughs> his collection I got another quark damn it
1: what I would love is what you don't see is that it's also got the plastic quark head on the top that the straw goes through
0: <laughs> so you have to drink it out of his head yes <laughs> well didn't they have a slurpy cup like that once yes they did where it was like drink the brains out or whatever yeah uh, that makes sense. No, I just, that was the funniest part, and it was the teaser. It was the, the very first pre-credits, like, you know, two minutes. Also, and they blew their entire wad of, of of funny right there.
1: I also, was this part of your quote, the Kira line? That's no, always, I, okay.
0: I, I only put in this. I
1: fucking love, uh, uh, they're about to leave, and uh, uh, Kira's like, this isn't off. <laughs> this isn't yeah, off. Yeah, by the time this, I get back. I will come to Corks, and believe me. I will have fun. <laughs>
0: and, you know, props to Nana Visitor for making that sound like a threat. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Chief, Not everyone uh, could sell that. Pass me the sonic spanner, I'll uh, give you a hand here.
0: And that, implying that O'Brien has to fix this and Quark is going to help this him. This
1: is my goddamn life now, thanks a lot.
0: <laughs> then I get to go home to K- <laughs> to Keiko. Yippee. O'Brien I, I miss, must suffer. I miss each who I murdered.
1: Could really go for drawing some circles in the sand right about now.
0: <laughs> and going,
1: <"Caw." laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Are we looking at an establishing shot of the planet now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Every time they showed the establishing shot of this planet, which by the way, as, as boring as this episode was, as, as, as forgettable as it was, there was a really nice map painting like integrated with a set that, that looked really good mm. actually. Like the, the establishing shot of this planet looked yeah, quite nice. Gorgeous, but, but yeah.
1: uh, gorgeous background shots. But
0: every time they showed it, you you did the, the Springfield crow noise. Ah! I'm not sure what that's about. I don't either. It's just you just imaginary birds are the only way to make this episode better.
1: Well, no, that's definitely that's true of most things I've found.
0: Imaginary birds. It's like
1: you're not having a good time. Imagine a bird was there.
0: Like when you get clonked over the head and they're tweeting around your head. Yes,
1: exactly. Hmm. Damn it, Al. Rabbit gets yes. hit on the head. Rabbit sees stars. <laughs> tweeting birds. <laughs> no, not
0: tweeting birds.
1: <laughs> Look, Raul. Let's just
0: talk about Roger Rabbit. That's fine. That's a I'm
1: great out. fucking movie.
0: Yeah, it is. It's one of those movies I always forget is like one of my favorites. And then I watch it again. And I was like, why don't I watch this more? Yeah. This is great. No, I watched
1: it again maybe uh, a couple months back. and It's like, oh, my God, this is so well done. Yeah,
0: it's it's easily in my top ten, and I just, I always forget about yep. it. I don't know why.
1: I was like, God, yeah. I get so many more jokes now that, like, I've read detective novels.
0: Yep. No, there's, there's, it's actually not a bad noir story it's on top not. of everything it's else.
1: Yeah. Really well done. You know what's not
0: really well done? This
1: fucking episode.
0: The Quickening. The Quickening. Which was, ironically, the slowest episode I've ever seen. Oh. Man, this is, That's uh, not true, but it was very slow. Yeah,
1: it's been a while since we've had a uh, how much longer is left in this episode? 20 minutes? Yeah,
0: my notes have a lot of God. that. And at one point I put, wait, Kira, come back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I need you to be mad about things.
0: Something, anything. Please? I just wanted another character to be there. Yeah. Instead of Julian and all these all this, you know, quickening fodder. Shinzon. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, the guy, the guy who like immediately rejects him when he arrives. As soon as he shows up, he's like, "Hey, are
1: you a doctor from off world? We don't take kindly to that sort around here."
0: What? What are you? Are you a plumber from off world? We don't like plumbers. Psh. What? Are, what are you? you know, like whatever it would have been, he wouldn't have liked yep. it. But yeah, he's uh, he he did look a bit Shinzani. oh,
1: well, it's like he's a bald guy that's covered in gross growths.
0: You know, like Captain Picard. Is, yeah, you know, because he's his clone.
1: I just expected him to keep going, you know, Julian, we're very similar, you and I.
0: I live on a planet of Dracula. You
1: wouldn't think you were so great if you were raised underground, and the only thing you had to keep you company was a jacket made of knives.
0: (laughs) I forget almost everything about that movie on purpose. That's
1: probably for the best. It was really quite terrible.
0: All I remember is the big warning sign I put up in my brain that says, never watch this movie again. Yep. And I, I trust that. The guy who put up that sign knows what he's talking about.
1: It's like I put it up in my brain, and I put it on the DVD case.
0: Yep. No, I... Oh, yes, I do own that DVD. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, a friend of mine actually bought me the uh, the Blu-rays. Oh. When we did the... Uh, when we reviewed the movies. He's like, here, you should have these. Oh. They're on sale at Amazon. I'll buy them for you.
1: Oh, that was pretty decent of
0: it. It was very nice of um, Anyway, this <laughs> it's episode... Like you're time.
1: just like, I wish you would brought the Blu-ray at Roger Rabbit.
0: <laughs> I have that. But yes, I, I, you know, he got it. Was the whole set? It was the whole, um, it was the, the whole next like gen next movies? gen. Yeah, it was one of those like on sale at Amazon for ten bucks things. Mm. So you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll take well, that. That's two not? pretty good movies. Yeah. Uh, actually, I don't know. There's, there's half of a good movie, half of a good movie, half of it's like three halves of a good movie.
1: Yeah, two good movies.
0: Right. Anyway, this episode. What else? Uh, We reveal that Julian, his first surgery was on his teddy bear that was named Cuckoo-Con or something, I guess. Yeah, you know,
1: the snake god. Yes,
0: Yes. right, Um, Cuckoo-Con.
1: There's a part where someone, I don't know what they actually said, but to me it sounded like, we have to go on a mission into the candy system. (laughs) I'm like, what?
0: Candy's not a system, he's a man. That sounds
1: Amazing!
0: Candy Calrissian.
1: Crashing down on this chocolate planet.
0: Now we're just back to Wonka.
1: I'm sorry, Doctor, you were talking me, about chocolate. That see. was 20 minutes
0: ago. I'm swimming in the lake of chocolate. That's the Great Link. <laughs> oh, no.
1: you <laughs> be the first person in the world to tra- be transported by television. You know, we have teleporters, right? Pretty oh. commonplace. Been around a long time.
0: Invented by Mike Teleporter?
1: Yes. Mike there tell
0: was a, P. there was there was a uh, tell p. Look, it's All a right. reach, right? All right, okay. I mean, we're doing everything we can not to talk about the evidence. Yep. There, there was a very like after that establishing shot where they cut to the medium shot. Uh, there was a very bring out your dad.
1: I mean, there was even a guy with a corpse in a uh, in a bucket who was just walking around with it. <laughs>
0: in a bucket. Yes,
1: <laughs> in a bu- in a in a corpse bucket.
0: Of course. What what would you call it? A yeah. corpse bucket
1: and there was also two guys pushing a one-wheeled b- bicycle
0: which i think that's called a unicycle not real
1: cl- i mean it would be if it was just a wheel with like a like a seat attached oh, I, to it i i i know this was a whole elaborate broken piece of garbage
0: garbage i think you'll find yep uh what else i don't know I, got, I seriously, like, I just, I thought it was boring. I don't even have a lot of notes. No. It's just, like, not a lot happened. We, we don't have to fill the hour if we don't have a lot to say. There's a
1: worrying moment after the first kid is born without an infection where they raise him over their head and worship him as if he were a god.
0: <laughs> and then drop him on his head, like, well, there goes the kid. Oh,
1: that was good. I just yeah. want to see Julian come back in five years. And it's like, yes, we worship, this, we worship this child.
0: We made this child our god. Like you said.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's that's not what I said. That's what you told us to do, right? Yeah. Praise this kid.
0: Oh, man.
1: No delay.
0: (laughs) Overall, I think I can sum it up by by this early note that I made. Man, I hate episodes where everyone is filthy. Yep. Just uh, wash your face. It's
1: really become a good indicator that the episode's not going to be good. Yep. I would love if they found it. Oh, we don't have the blight. We're just dirty. (laughs)
0: <laughs> they brought washcloths. We're saved. We're
1: gross, dirty people. Yep. Who are infected. Yes.
0: Not not from a disease, just from bacteria because we didn't wash.
1: Yeah, fucking wash, dude. Yep. Stop hitting the mud with a stick. <laughs> oh, Dennis,
0: there's some lovely filth down here. <laughs> Look, it's Starfleet officers. How can you tell? They haven't got shit all over them.
1: That was my favorite note from that entire episode
0: yeah I think we're done here yeah. um so next week we do the final two episodes of season four yeah we're we're done um pretty pretty big stuff coming up as we have said mm-hmm. um so look forward to that as I said after that supplemental if you got anything to write to us post on a core at gmail looking forward to to that got a nice mailbox full of mail, but it's still not too late to to write in if yeah. you want uh and and that's all for the non spoiler section. Mm-hmm. For the spoiler section, I just want to say, yes, I know I cheated on my bad thing for the first episode. Come on. By saying they killed off Wayun, but on, guys, I, it's Wayun. I couldn't think of a, of a of a like of a bad thing at all. I was like, "Ooh, well, technically these people don't actually know that Wayun's coming back." Yep. So, uh, hey, they killed a great character. Yeah, that's a bad That'll thing. do nicely. Actually, I, I inadvertently, uh, a listener talked to me on, on Twitter, and he's like a couple episodes ahead of us. He talked to me like two weeks ago. He's like, I just met Wayun, What a great character. I can't believe they killed him off. And I, I said something like, yeah, he's one of my favorite recurring guys. And he's Whoops! Like, oh, they killed him off. I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to spoil how they bring him back. How about that? <laughs> because really, it could be like, you, you have no idea how he's yeah. going to, how, how are they possibly going to do that? They vaporized him.
1: Yeah, you can't bring back back people who've been vaporized. No. I guess maybe unless it was like a Klingon disruptor, and you brought back their skeleton.
0: No, but you didn't see a skeleton. You just like completely just like voiped away. Right. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. All right. So. So in summary, I don't ever want to watch The Quickening again. All right. Say your thing. See ya, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.